In this message, we look at what it means to abide in the Father's love. We discover eight outcomes of abiding in the Father's love and learn the importance of obedience and divine discipline to abide in the Father's love. We are continuing our, our study on the Father's love. Uh, this is our fifth Sunday on this subject. We are just taking our time to digest this uh, and uh, just let it settle in our hearts. Uh, so we've covered four Sundays just talking about the Father's love. Uh, one of the uh, opening statements we made when we began this series uh, is this, that your revelation of God affects your relationship with God. Now what you know about God will affect how you relate to Him. And it's so important to have the right revelation of God, a revelation that is formed uh, by the word of God as revealed to us in scripture. So we need to have that kind of a revelation of God because our revelation of God affects our relationship with him. And your relationship with God then affects your relationship with other people. How you relate to others. If you have a really good relationship with God where you, know, you just are settled in his love and you know he loves you and he's forgiven you and he's done all these wonderful things for you, then you just extend the same thing to other people. You don't find it difficult because you've experienced it yourself. You just extend it to others. So your relationship with God affects your relationship with other people. And so just to quickly review some of the things we covered in part one of this series, we talked about God, our Heavenly Father, the infinite God who is our Heavenly Father. And just to imagine that this great God of this universe, the great God, infinite God says, I want to be your Father. I was thinking about this yesterday. Does God need man? Does he need man? He doesn't. He is Jehovah. The self-existent one. He has no needs. He doesn't need man. He'll be very happy with you and me. (laughs) But yet, he has chosen in his sovereignty to put himself in a place where he needs us. He decided to do that. He has put himself in a place where he needs us. He created this world. He said, man, I'm putting you in charge. I need you there. So does God, is God necessarily dependent on you and me to be sons and daughters? No, he's self-sufficient. But yet, he's made himself a father. And he says, I want you to be my sons and daughters. Amen? That's who he is. He, he, He created us. He put himself in that place. He said, I want you to be my son and daughter. So this great, infinite, self-sufficient God says, I want you to be my sons and daughters. As we read, as we saw in the very first message in the series, we become the focus of his love even before creation. But we said, you know, uh, we are broken. Our capacity to love and be loved is broken. And so we have all these wrong postures that we take before God. We see, see ourselves as prodigals. or We see ourselves as unworthy people and, and so on. We talked about various postures. In part two, we talked about the immeasurable love of God where God loves us in an immeasurable way. Uh, there is no measure for the length, the depth, the height, the breadth of God's love. It's infinite. It's immeasurable love. And 
the expression of that immeasurable love is the cross of Jesus Christ. God says, you want to know how much I love you? Look at the cross. And it is through the cross that we are made whole, that our capacity to love and be loved is restored. That we can now begin to recognize what real love is when we receive the cross, when we receive Jesus and understand his love. Uh, in part three, we talked about our Heavenly Father's true picture. Uh, this is who God is. And uh, uh, we meant, gave a few descriptors. And again, that's not necessarily an exhaustive or complete list. Uh, but they're a representative uh, dis- description of, of God as our Father. And when you look at God, you need to see him like this because this is who he uh, has revealed himself to us in his word. Part four, last Sunday, we talked about receiving the Father's love. It's important for us to receive the Father's love. Make it personal. So we read from 1 John 4.16. I'm just referencing last week. John says, we have known and... Come on, you can't forget that fast. (laughs) We have known and believed. Right? The love that God has for us. So you know and believe. Believe. So we know, we've spent time knowing, studying about this. And now having known it, we must believe it. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. So the third thing is you just have to receive that. God is love. You're not trying to make him love you. You just receive his love. So we have known, believed, we received, but we have to abide. Abide in his love. So we said last Sunday to abide in his love means to come to a place of resting in his love. You settle down. You're deeply rooted. You're securely grounded in that love. You're resting in that love. So we want to build on that this morning. What does it mean to abide in the Father's love? And what would a life look like? A life that is abiding in the Father's love. So that's our assignment for this morning, abiding in the Father's love. The first thing I want to uh, just uh, mention here is it's important for us to acknowledge the Father's love. We're going to look at many scriptures. We go through very quickly. Uh, so don't worry if you can't write everything. You just download these sermon notes. They're, uh, they're available right now on our church website or the church app so you can follow along. Uh, acknowledge the Father's love. When you look at the life of Jesus, you find him very often acknowledging the Father's love and what that has done or what that means to him. So let's look at some examples here. In John chapter 3 verse 35, Jesus says, he's speaking in the third person, but he says, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. So Father loves the Son. My father loves me. Let's all say this together. My father loves me. So Jesus is saying the same thing. The father loves the son. And he's saying what the father has done for him because of that. He has given all things into his hand. He's just empowered him. He's put all things into his hand. So, So you and I acknowledge what God has done for us because he loves us. How God empowers us. Because of his love. We need to acknowledge that. Affirm that over your own life. Another example. John 5 verse 20. For the father loves the son. And shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these. That you may marvel. He's saying look the father loves the son. He's acknowledging the love the father has for him. And then he is saying. 
He's showing me all these wonderful things that I'm doing and he's going to show me greater things. So you acknowledge the same thing. My father loves me and everything I'm doing, he's blessed me with this. Hey, but listen, he's going to do greater things through my life. Is it okay to do that? Yes or no? Jesus acknowledged the father loves me and he's shown me all these things but don't put a full stop to it. There are greater things that he will show me. All because he loves me. So acknowledge that. Acknowledge the father's love. John 17 verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you've given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. So he's acknowledging, Father, our love relationship goes a long way back. So why don't you acknowledge that? Father, I thank you that you loved me from the moment I was born. You always loved me. That it took me a long time to realize it. But you always loved me, Father. Thank you for that love. Thank you that you always love me and you will always continue to love me. Acknowledge that. Can you do that? Just in your day when you're feeling a little down, hey, acknowledge the Father's love. He loves me. He's empowered me. He loves me. He's doing all these things through me. And he's going to do greater things through my life. My Father loves me and has always loved me. His love is untiring. It, it won't, he's not going to give up. John 10, 17, therefore my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. My father loves me as I'm going about my assignment, as I go about doing this. So Jesus acknowledged the father's love for him. And I want to encourage you and I to do the same. Acknowledge the Father's love and acknowledge what is yours because of the Father's love. Acknowledge how God empowers you, how you are empowered because your Heavenly Father loves you. Do that often. Now, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he talked about abiding in love and he talked about himself abiding in the Father's love. So let's go to John 15 and that's what we're going to focus on. John 15 verses 9 and 10. Jesus said, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And in verse 10 he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So this abiding in the Father's love was a deliberate, active decision that he was making. He said, I keep my Father's commandments and I abide in that love. And so now he's inviting you and me. He says, you abide in my love. You abide in my love. Right, so we come back to verse 10 a little later. But that's what I want to focus on is this. He has invited us to abide in his love or in the Father's love. And Jesus, when he walked the earth, he said he lived his life on the earth abiding in the Father's love. That was his own posture. He was there. So what does it mean to abide in the Father's love? Let me just condense it. This is, uh, you know, we'll print this out in the book and give you full explanation, but let me just condense it. 
the word abide has two sides to it when you see look in the new testament one which we mentioned last sunday it seems it means to dwell to remain to settle down to continue uh, it means to uh, be deeply rooted and securely grounded but it's not just that it's not just resting it's not just a passive posture but to abide also in the new testament means to live out of to live because of to live through so it's not just a passive thing it's an active thing so abide does it mean you come in and take a snooze okay god that's nice <laughs> i sleep now in the love of god that's not it it's not a passive thing i'm dwelling in the love of god gone to sleep no to abide means you rest in his love but you also live out of that love are you understanding so that's abiding in the father's love and just invite us you come you abide in my love that means you rest in my love and you live out of this love now we hear this benediction almost every sunday and most churches end their services with this benediction second corinthians 13 verse 14 the grace of our lord jesus christ don't go yet <laughs> this is still in the sermon <laughs> all right the love of god <laughs> somebody is okay. and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all amen so we hear that we hear that the grace of jesus his grace his empowering grace the love of god the love of the father that's what we talk about we're talking about the love of god and the fellow the communion that word communion koinonia it includes three aspects it has friendship it has fellowship it has partnership empowering so the fellowship the koinonia the communion of the holy spirit be with you all so be with you means it's it's an ongoing continuous thing so it's not like okay two hours you had this communion god bless you next sunday come back you'll get two hours of grace love and fellowship no it's going to continue that means monday tuesday wednesday every day of the week the grace of jesus is with you the father's love is there and the holy spirit his partnership his fellowship his friendship is with you amen so this love of the father is something you are in 24/7 you and i are to abide that means you and i are to rest and live out of the father's love you have been so far abiding in the father's love rest and live out of rest in it nothing will shake you you live out of that means how you live life flows out of your experience of the father's love So in practice what does this look like what does a life look like of somebody 
who was abiding in the Father's love? What would it look like? How is it modeled for us? What does a, if a person is resting in the Father's love and living out of the Father's love, how, you know, what are the, some of the characteristics of that kind of a life? So we'll go and meet with the Lord's beloved disciple. Who is that? John. So John calls himself often in his, in his gospel, gospel of John. He calls himself as the beloved's disciple. He says, man, I really got this thing about love. Now, I, I really experienced the Lord's love. And so John, the beloved, in the last, so he wrote the book of Revelation. And when he's done with the book of Revelation, he says, I still need something that I need to write to, to the church. So he writes his three epistles. That was the last work that he did. And in the first epistle of John, which he wrote after Revelation, the theme of that entire book is about abiding in the love of God. And remember, he's a man who experienced it. He said, I am his beloved. And so, uh, reading these five, five chapters of 1 John, you and I can, uh, can, can, can understand what it means. He explains to us in very practical terms, this is what it means to abide in the Father's love. So, we're gonna, I'm going to try to condense that in these five statements. And we will read certain portions of Scripture from John's first episode. And this is how he or this is how we can condense this abiding in the Father's love, resting in and living out of. This is what that life would look like. First, when we abide in the Father's love, when we rest in and live out of the Father's love, there is no place for hate. So let's say together, there is no place for hate. So a person who is resting in the Father's love and living out of that love, no place for hate. Now, John mentions this throughout his epistle. We just look at a few verses there in 1 John 2, 9 through 11. He says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, throughout life, there will be many opportunities to hate people. Many opportunities. You can't prevent that. People are going to say things to you, or, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, whatever. They will be say things, do things that hurt you. But hating somebody is a choice. And when you rest in his love and you're living out of his love, hate has no place. It's not that they're not doing wrong to you or they're not, what they are saying or doing is not causing pain. But the way you respond, because you're so settled in the love of God, there is not a trace of hate in your heart. Because you have the capacity to say, God, I release your love to them. You're resting in the Father's love. Amen? But on the other side, just, just mention this. Hate is so dangerous because John says, we could, be, we could say we are walking in the light, 
But if you have hate in your heart, you're actually walking in darkness. So you think you're in the light. But because you have hate in your heart, he says, you're actually walking in darkness. And this hate has blinded your eyes and you don't know where you're going. You're like a person walking in darkness. You will stumble, you will fall. And you don't know which pit you end up in. That's what hate does to us. So we need to keep it out. Keep it out. Don't hate. Just love. And you can when you are resting and living out of the Father's love. The second statement we like to make is when we rest and live out of the Father's love, persecution does not alarm us and purity is our way of life. We pick this up in chapter 3 of 1 John, verses 1 to 3, and I'll read verse 13 again, just picking up a few verses here. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. So that's the Father's eyes. Like, wow, look at this extravagant love God the Father has poured out on us. He's made us his own children. But, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So don't get too excited. The world doesn't know you. You're a child of God. God has given his extravagant love for you. The world knows nothing about it. They're not going to treat you like a child of the king. Just, hey, the world knows nothing about that. It doesn't know us because it doesn't know him. And then he continues, but beloved, now are we children of God? It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this open him purifies himself just as he is pure. Verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. So, you're resting, you're abiding in the Father's love. So, oh, behold, what manner of love the Father has given to me. Wonderful. But he says, hey, two things. The world doesn't know it. Don't get surprised if the world hates you. So the world attacks you, persecutes you. Don't get surprised. And you will not be alarmed because you're already resting and abiding in the Father's love. And a life of purity. You are so loved by God. You know what he's going to do. You know what's coming up. So you purify yourself. It's a natural response to so of somebody who's been touched by the love of God. Are you with me? Third statement. When we abide in the, and, and live out of the Father's love, we sacrifice and share. John writes about this again. I'm just reading a few of these verses. He says in verse 16 to 18 of 1 John 3, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So he says, look. If you're abiding in the Father's love, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be willing to lay down your life for others. And that doesn't necessarily mean you get killed, but you are sacrificing. You're giving up what you could hold on to. You're laying it down. 
And when you see others in need, you give into their needs. Now, I'm not saying as an individual, you're responsible for the needs of every person around you. You can't do that. But you can give into a few people. You can, the people that God puts on your heart, you can respond. You can't respond to all the needs that come to you. But you can respond to some. And he says, that's what will happen to a, well, that's the life of a person who is resting in the Father's love and living out of this Father's love. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to give. You're willing to release into other people's lives. Number four, when we abide and live out of the Father's love, we walk in love. First John 4, 11 and 12, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If you love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Perfected. We talked about it last Sunday. That love has uh, matured. It's grown into us. It is accomplishing its intended purpose. Its fullness is in us. It's perfected in us. So when you're abiding in the Father's love, your natural response in any situation is that of love. You do what love will do. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not irritable. Love does not keep an account of uh, wrong that is done to it. Uh, love uh, does not rejoice in sin. Love rejoices in the truth. That is your natural response when you are resting and living out of the Father's love. Amen? This is the life that you and I can and should be walking in. Last one. When we abide in and live out the Father's love, we recognize our spiritual standing, we are free from fear, and we are free to love Him. We examined this passage in detail last Sunday, 1 John 4, 17 through 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Three consequences here of abiding in the Father's love. One, there is no fear of judgment. So there is no fear of being condemned, of being judged and cast away by God. That's gone. Because perfect love, your experience of the Father's love has dispelled that morbid kind of fear out of your life. Yes, we have reverence for God, but we are not in this place of morbid fear, fear of judgment and condemnation before God. So you're free to love Him. His love is perfected in you. Secondly, you recognize your spiritual standing. As He is, so are we. In the realm of the Spirit, your spiritual standing is as the same as that of Jesus Christ. As He is, so are we. And that's, that's real big to think about it. And in this world, our life in this world, we live out of that standing that we have with God. As He is, so are we in this world. And third, He says, we love Him because He first loved us. So our heart overflows with love in response to that. So just to capture these eight statements that we can find here in 1 John, when you're living, when you're resting and living out of the Father's love, one, hate towards others has no place. Persecution does not alarm us. Purity is our way of life. We sacrifice and share with others. 
We walk in love. We do what love will do. We recognize our spiritual standing. We are free from fear of condemnation and judgment before God. We overflow with love for Him because He first loved us. Amen? So this is a description of abiding in the Father's love. Here's what your life will be like. You're resting in that love. You're living out of that. This is your life. Amen? Two additional thoughts, insights we want to add to this, of abiding in the Father's love. Is this. Obedience is the key to abiding in the Father's love. Obedience is the key to abiding in the Father's love. Jesus walked in obedience to the Father and so must you and I. So look at some verses with me and I'll quickly reference a few here. In John 8, 29, Jesus said, He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Let's read the rest of it together. For I always do those things that please John 14, 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father. Let's read the rest together. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. As the Father gave me commandment, so I do. John 15, 9 and 10, what we looked earlier. Let's read it together. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So what's the key? Obedience. So you keep my commandments. Oh, you obey. You will abide. You'll be able to rest in and live out of my love. Abide in my love. Keep my commandments. Walk in obedience. Now, why is obedience so important? Because when we walk in obedience, it is then that we walk in the light. As he is in the light. And we have fellowship with one another. Amen? It's when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. That means you're in a place of intimate friendship with God. So obedience is important. Obedience is what keeps you in that place where you can live in the Father's love and live out of the Father's love. Now, we walk in obedience not to earn His love. We walk in obedience because we are he loved us even when we were sinners. So your obedience does not change his love for you. He loves you. Your obedience changes your positioning before the Father. You could be there abiding in that love or not. But when you and I walk in obedience, we are abiding in his love. Are you with me? So obedience to the Father, obedience to his word is important. To be able to be in that place of rest in the Father's love. And to be able to live out of the Father's love.
and we obey him because he loved us and we love him it's the response of love obedience is the response of love if you love me keep my commandments amen one more thought and then we'll close and i'm not sure if you're ready for this but the father disciplines whom he loves the father disciplines whom he whom the father loves he so the writer of hebrews brings this out we'll just read that passage and share a few thoughts there hebrews 12 verse 4 to 11 you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin and you have forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you as to sons my son do not despise the chastening of the lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives if you endure chastening god deals with you as with sons this is just normal family life okay for what son is there whom a father does not chasten but if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate and not sons furthermore we've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of our spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by now that don't get scared by those old english words of chastening and scourging so like, oh man that sounds real bad you know well it simply means loving correction right it means discipline loving correction but the f- truth is god disciplines us god lovingly corrects us why does he do that in order to keep us in that place where we abide in his So his loving correction God's loving correction is not intended to destroy us it's not intended to demean us it's not in, uh, intended to tear us down his correction is always to lift us up it is for our profit he writes it's for our benefit so that we may be partakers of his holiness so that we may grow in that and in becoming more like him in, in every aspect of our lives and our daily living so that we can grow into the purposes of god for our lives it's for our benefit so god lovingly corrects us the correct response to god's chastening or loving discipline in our lives is obedience through surrender so he says let us be subject to the father of our spirits so you surrender okay god i realize i was going off track there i'm aligning myself okay that's the correct response you yield to it yes god i surrender i i i i'm saying okay to it so he lovingly aligns us brings us back now how does god correct us first he corrects us through his word 
So it's important to be open to the Word of God. You read, keep reading it because God will speak to you through His Word. He corrects us by His Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God within you will guide you, will guide you into all truth, keep you on course. When you and I tend to take a step off, He's going to say, no, no, get back. So He corrects us by His Holy Spirit. He corrects us through other people around us. So godly people, when they speak into your life and you give them the right to speak, uh, they're able to tell you, hey, you're going off track there. You need to come, along, come, up, come, come, up, come into alignment here. So he corrects us through that. And sometimes he corrects us through our situations and circumstances. I say sometimes because the devil also troubles us in our situations and circumstances. So, so those kinds of things you've got to put down underneath your feet. You've got to calm the storm. You've got to crush it down. Or sometimes we are responsible for our own mess. In that case, you correct your actions. <laughs> Don't try to rebuke the devil. <laughs> Don't try to blame God. Hey, you created the mess. You clean it up. So that's why I say sometimes it's our own action. Um, God actually guides us through situations. Because other times we could be the reason behind some of those things that, that, that happen. But most often, the normal way is through his word, by his spirit... He will correct us and through godly people around us. Are you with me? But that discipline, that correction is intended to keep us aligned, to stay in that place of obedience. And when you're in that place of obedience, you're in that place where you can rest in the love of the Father and you can live out of the love of the Father. Amen? Next Sunday as we close the series, we're going to see the, the power there is then you abide in love. We'll talk about imitating the Father and we close with, you know, what powerful lives we can live when we abide in the Father's love. Amen? I want us to just remain seated, please. We're going to just take some time now to respond to what we've learned from Scripture, from the Word of God. Acknowledge the Father's love for you. Acknowledge the Father's love for you. So right where you're seated, you talk to God. Say, Father, I thank you that you love me. Do what Jesus did. He said, the Father loves me. He's put all things in my hands. The Father loves me. He's shown me all these things, and he will show me greater things. The Father loves me. He loved me from before the foundation of the world. The Father loves me because I lay down my life. I am pursuing the assignment he's given me. So you acknowledge the Father's love. Take some time to do that right now. And then you ask him for the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit and empowers us to rest in the Father's love. So you say, God, I thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. By your grace, by your spirit, I will be able to abide in the Father's love. I'll be able to abide in the Father's love. Think about these characteristics of a person who is resting in the Father's love and living out of the Father's love. Ask Him, Lord, I want my life to be that. Obedience is the key. Has the Lord been speaking to you? 
coming into a place of obedience in one or more areas of your life. You say, God, I surrender. I subject myself. I surrender to the Father of spirits. If he's been bringing correction, receive it. Accept it. Yield to it. Surrender to it. Because he wants us to abide in his love. Worship team up, please. Father, touch us, each one of us. Areas where we need to be touched. If there be those of us, O God, who have taken steps out of that place of obedience, bring us back this morning. Realign us. Put us back in the place where you want us to be. That place of obedience. That place of resting and living out of your love. Let your love break down, Lord, those things that have caused us to step out. Let your love unshackle us. Let it free us. The Lord is touching our lives right now. He's realigning, repositioning many of us back into that place of obedience. Back into that place of abiding in love. So just let him do that. Let him do that. Let him touch you. Let's rise to our feet, please. We're going to sing. As we sing, just receive. Receive from the Father. Receive His touch. Receive what He's doing in your heart. Receive what He's doing in your life right now. Just receive.
that floods my soul Something happened And now I know He touched me And made me whole Since I met this blessed Savior Since I met this blessed Savior Since He cleansed and made me whole I'll never cease to praise Him I shouted while eternity rolled He touched me Oh, He touched me And oh, the joy Floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. He touched me, oh, He touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. And now I know He touched me and made me whole. Yes, let's just lift up our hands to Him. Lord God, even as we stand in Your presence, oh God, touch every heart, every life. Melt away, God, the things that should not be in our lives. Father God, for those people who are still struggling with hate in their hearts, unforgiveness, bitterness towards even one other person, God, this morning, touch us. Let it melt away. Let it be taken out of our hearts. For those of us, God, who might be in willful sin and willful rebellion against you, God, in areas of our lives where we know we should not be going down that road and you've been calling us back to you. Father, right now, let there be a change in our hearts and in our minds. Touch us. Touch us. Touch us. We're going to sing it again and as we sing it again, I want you to mean that he is touching you right now, bringing about that change in your heart, in your life. And He's touching you and me. He's touching us to make us whole. Let's sing it and sing it with all we've got. He touched me and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know Touch me. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me. 
Something happened. Something happened. And now I know He touched me and made me whole. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Before we close this morning, if there's anyone here that you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, you don't know that your sins are forgiven. You're not sure that you are a child of God. You're not sure that God is your father and all that we spoke about is not personal. It's not real to you yet. The Bible tells us very simply, anyone who believes in him, anyone who receives him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. It's that simple. That you make a decision, you make a choice to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. That He's the one who died for your sins. He was buried, He rose up again, and today you're saying yes to Him. He's going to be the Lord of your life, and you're going to follow Him. When you do that, He makes you a child of God. So, this, anyone here this morning, you've never done that before in your life, I want to lead you in a short prayer. I want you to pray that with me if you'd like to and make that decision. Let's pray. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, if you've never prayed this before, say this with me. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. Forgive my sins. I believe you died for me on the cross. That you rose up again. That you're alive today. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And help me follow you. And you alone. The rest of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Anyone here who prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. We want to celebrate with you. So if you don't mind, just raise your hand up. Anybody? You prayed, the prayer, prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Just raise your hands. Anyone in this place? want to celebrate with you. Anyone? I don't see any hands. Anyone up on the balcony? Anybody? Okay. I don't see any hands this morning. But in case you did, we have greeters standing with those green bags at all our exits on your way out. If you've prayed this prayer and you decide to raise your hand, just tell them, hey, I did that. They have a little card. You can write your name and uh, phone number. And you take this bag with you. It's our gift to you. It has some resources in it to help you grow in your faith. And when you give us your contact details, somebody from the church will call you and guide you on how to use those resources. All right. So let's close. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We're going to close with that same benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all, always. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.